Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Secret Podcast at Service of Change and Sixth Sense Media. This is the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. And I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, aiming to make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. We're going to travel even further down that rabbit hole this evening. We're going to push our level of consciousness, our level of understanding, that cognitive dissonance that many of us suffer from as we try to understand this crazy world we exist within because we know that reality is not quite what it seems. We're going to look at the connections with ESP and telepathy and psychic abilities a little bit further and the wave of denial that exists surrounding it, some of the reasons why, and a possible connection to the moon. All inspired by the late Ingo Swan. I just read his book this week. Fascinated. His book is called Penetration, the Question of Extraterrestrial and Human Telepathy. Connected so many dots for me. I've been promoting this show all week as I've been reading this book, uh, and I just have to talk about it on the air tonight. Now, listen, before you shut it off, don't shut the show off yet. Listen to me for a minute. I know this stuff is fringe for a lot of people out there. I know this stuff really makes some of us uncomfortable. It makes us want to label me the tinfoil hat brigade. I know this is on the, even with some of the big conspiracy theorists, this is where people start to kind of roll their eyes. I'm going to ask you for a minute just to suspend belief, suspend judgment, suspend opinion, and listen to what I have to say and ask one question. That question is, what if... What if any of what I'm going to talk about today and what I've covered in previous shows, even if part of it is true, that changes everything. And when you start looking at it from that standpoint, from the vantage that I'm standing at, and I'm not saying I have all the answers, I'm not saying I'm right, but from my perspective, the world suddenly makes sense. There's a lot of things that happen we don't understand why, a lot of oxymorons, a lot of hypocrisy that we just don't question. And when you start questioning it and you shift your perspective and you start incorporating other ideas, then all of a sudden you go, now I know. Now I understand why they do these things that are detrimental to the planet, that are detrimental to human health, that are counterintuitive to what is right and what is good for all of us out there. So yes, I'm going to take that stance on this episode of The Secret Podcast. I'm going to talk about things that make you a little uncomfortable. I'm going to talk about things that might make you want to look at me and say, Nappy, you are a weirdo. But listen, I've got a, here's my background. I'm a trained investigator. I'm a former police officer. I'm a former intelligence agent. I have a master's degree in education. I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. And I've been studying this stuff for a long time. So I'm not just listening to different conspiracy theories and saying, oh my gosh, this is crazy, from an uneducated standpoint. None of that stuff makes me right. I'm just saying that to give hopefully a little bit more credibility. I'm not trying to sound like I'm tooting my own horn. But I know how to run an investigation. I know how to do research. And what I'm saying is that there's something to this. 
and we need to pay it a little bit more attention because it could benefit us. I'm going to talk about some uncomfortable, scary things at first throughout this show, but you know I don't like to spread fear. I like to tell you the scary stuff with the hope of inspiring you and giving you real solutions that we can use. That's no secret. You can only have to go back and listen to my previous shows, and I highly recommend that you do because I'm going to be covering a lot of things. In addition, I'm going to tie this stuff into the Tom DeLonge to the Stars uh, Academy that they just created. Ooh, i got to make that note. I want to talk a little bit about, as my pen dies, I swear the universe or the archons are working against me sometimes to get stuff like this out. I want to talk about the Hollywood connection to human consciousness and to the Stars Academy. I'm sorry, I'm writing stuff as I'm trying to talk. To the Stars stuff and uh, some of the turn up in, uh, in Hollywood that's going on right now. So there's a lot happening. My mind's making these connections as I'm talking. Are you bored yet? All right, so let's move forward. Again, if you haven't done so already, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Sixth Sense Media. That's the number six. Ray Davis is, again, every week killing it. The content is flowing like crazy with Ray. Ray is uh, the founder of The Affirmation Spot. He uh, So many wonderful positive affirmation audio recordings that Ray Davis has available if you're looking to enhance your life in so many different ways. He's got affirmations for teachers, affirmations for writers, affirmations for professionals, affirmations to make you feel better. Uh, I mean, really check it out, um, you know, with Ray's stuff. But he's not just, he's not really promoting his own stuff. He's finding content, uh, that newsworthy content, Sixth Sense Media newsworthy content from everywhere, talking about some of the political stuff, some of the cover-up stuff, some of the conspiracy stuff, some of the spiritual stuff. I, I know I plug this every week. I'm just so impressed with what Ray's been doing, uh, you know, and he's killing our Twitter feed. Um, that's at six underscore sense underscore media. Follow it. Make sure you get the alerts from it because I've noticed Ray's got his finger on the pulse of the world right now, and anything that's relevant, it's going on. I'm getting an alert through the Six Sense Media Twitter feed. You want a good media alert system? Follow the Six Sense Media on Twitter. Um, I don't upload as much stuff as Ray does. I use that. I get my news from there now because Ray's just absolutely killing it. So uh, he's doing some great things behind the scenes for Six Sense Media. Website is close. I almost launched it today. Uh, still a few more things I'm trying to tie into it, though. The Six Sense Media website. I love it. I'm, I'm pumped for it. So I can't wait to release that to all of you. Um, you know, so you can start taking advantage of all the resources that we're putting on there for you. Uh, last thing. What else did I want to promote? That's it for my promotions right now. Let's talk about the news. Something, I don't have an article on this, but today, I'm, I was supposed to record the show last night, but things got a little crazy. Today is November 4th, 2017. Today is the day, as some of the conspiracy headlines have rumored, the Civil War is supposed to begin. I'm not going to get too deep into this. I know Antifa has uh, protests that are planned at some major cities throughout the United States, and then... Some of this is fake news. It has been running with it. And and shame on those in the independent media who are covering these stories without getting any real intel on this. I don't have much intel other than the headlines on this right now. Uh, as this story develops, hopefully I can feed some more stuff to you. So that's all I have right now. My word of caution is if you're out there today, be careful. Have your head on a swivel. If you see people in masks, go the other direction. Get out of the area. I don't know what's true, what's not true. Um... I don't know what's going on with that. So just be mindful of that, that there is there are groups within the U.S. that are trying to un- unsettle it. Let me give a quick caveat here. Uh, in my English class, I'm teaching a story. It's a graphic novel, and it's called Mouse. And it's a book about the Holocaust. 
I'm almost in tears every day just because so many connections are being made. You know, they say those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. Well, I'm actually now as I'm required to teach history, which I've never done before, I'm learning history beyond what I learned in high school. I'm so glad it forces me to study history. Uh, I did a lot of work on World War II last year. I'm doing it again this year. And there, there really are parallels to what's happening in the world today to what happened in the world during World War II with the rise of the Nazis. In addition, there's crazy parallels to what happened in the world in the 50s and the 60s with the civil rights movement to what's happening in the world right now. You've got groups within the United States, hate groups within the United States that are trying to empower themselves, that are trying to unseat the government, that are targeting specific races. I know this sounds doom and gloom, right? Study history, study, study the civil rights movement, and and I'm just going off of the high school history book that I'm going through right now. You know, I know history's watered down in those history books, but just based on that stuff, I'm seeing parallels. And study World War II, and, and you're going to start seeing the connections. And why is that important to do that? Because I swear whoever is behind this coordinating it is using the same playbook over and over and over again. So if you could be aware of what's happening in history, when stuff starts getting really funky in your town, you can pretty much guarantee what the next step is going to be. Take your head out of the sand. You got to remember that this has happened before. Six million people, six million Jews were exterminated. Okay, now let's not get into those other conspiracy theories around that right now. I'm not dismissing it. Uh, I'm just telling you where I'm sta- my standpoint right now. People died, okay? And that's not the only place that genocide has happened. It happened right here in the United States, Native Americans. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. This happens. This is why I freaked out when I came home from overseas because I'm saying this could easily happen here in the United States of America. I'm going down a tree. I don't, uh, barking up a tree. I don't want to go up right now. But my point is we need to be mindful of our actions. We need to be mindful of the actions of others around us and understand, number one, it can happen here. Number two, we can avoid it if we make the right choices. With what I want to talk about tonight, I believe I'm going to give us tools to avoid that. Now, I got another doom and gloom story, but I I have to share it because it's important. But again, I think there's things we can do to avoid it or prepare so we don't have to become victims to this recycle of history here. Unknown Country has an interesting article. This from October 30th, actually. Titled, a government committee warns that North Korea could wipe out 90% of the population of the U.S. with a single bomb. Okay, Uh, I'm not going to read the whole article. I will have it linked in the secret newsletter that comes out Sunday morning. And I will have it linked in the show notes at serviceofchange.com. What this is talking about is an EMP. If they detonate an EMP, it doesn't have to even be accurately targeting a specific area. What it talks about is the tests that they've been doing. These, quote, failed tests are actually not failures of tests. They're more consistent with if they were going to detonate an EMP, they may have that technology to do that because it doesn't matter if they get it directly over the city because the electromagnetic pulse apparently will magnify through the Earth's electromagnetic field and then, you know, uh, disperse throughout the rest of the country. And then once all the power grids go down, over time, that's going to cause 90% of the population. I haven't verified this through other sources at this point in time. Something worth looking into for the preppers out there might be something worth preparing for. Uh, If I'm way off on this, uh, some of my military listeners, please hit me up, let me know so I can correct it. But that's what this article says. I'll have the links in that. Um, Again, do your due diligence on that. But 
that is a that is a real concern. And then you know the rumor is that the the government is conducting a blackout drill today, November fourth, two thousand seventeen, uh, involving ham radio operators, just to see how would communication work if, uh, in fact, the grid was to go down. Now, for those that study false flags, is this going to be one of those incidents where they're doing their drill on the same day that the attack happens? I sure hope not. So far, so good. It's uh, 13, 24 hours. It's 1.24 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So far, all is quiet. All lights are still on. All right. Just be mindful. All right, let's talk about some AI. All right, as always, I'm tracking these stories uh, whenever I can. This comes to us from Bloomberg.com. Robot, robots in finance bring new risks to stability, regulators say. How come every time I get on here, all these pop-ups come up? It drives me crazy, these pop-ups. Banks and hedge funds that rely on artificial intelligence threaten to inject risks into the financial system that could exacerbate a future crisis, according to the global regulators. The financial industry's rush to adopt AI raises the potential that firms will become overly dependent on technologies that herd them toward the same view of risks and could amplify financial shocks. According to a study published on Wednesday by the Financial Stability Board, a panel of regulators that includes the U.S. Federal Reserve and European Central Bank. AI and machine learning applications show substantial promise if their specific risks are properly managed, the FSB said in a report that called for additional monitoring and testing of robotic technologies designed to lessen human involvement. Taken as a group, Universal Bank's vulnerability to the system, I'm sorry, to the systemic shock may grow if they're increasingly dependent on similar algorithms or data streams. All right, I'm not going to read this whole thing. Um, there is more information to it. Check it out in the show notes. But basically, they're saying you know AI could uh, ultimately crash our financial system as if it's not in enough trouble as it is. Uh, again, just another we're going to be tying AI into our financial systems now. Now, again, I covered the story last week where Sophia said, "Be nice to me, and I'll be nice to you." Well, if you're linking AI to our entire financial system and we're not nice to her, or she perceives us as not being nice to one another and wants to quote teach us a lesson, she could crash our economy. Now, am I being over-the-top paranoid? I don't know. I don't think I am. I mean, it's amazing how this stuff is is happening right under our noses. Okay, uh, Tied into AI, but not directly, this one comes from The Guardian. Under the skin, how insertable microchips could unlock the future. The microchip is about the size of a grain of rice and usually inserted in the webbing between the thumb and forefinger using a needle the same thickness as used in body piercing. Okay, so this article, I read it, talks about how people are putting these in there now. They're getting more and more common. Right now, they're only able to program those specific microchips to do one to three things. Maybe start your car, start your motorcycle, uh, unlock a door to your office, unlock a door to your house, um, maybe store a credit card on there so you can swipe it and, and pay for something with your hand. Sounds crazy convenient, right? I have my students journal about this this week. What are the benefits? What are the risks of it? You know, I mean, there are some benefits of it. You never lose your keys again. You don't have to worry about losing your keys. Um, you know, you will always have your money with you tied into it, so that's great. But again, if you're dealing strictly with electronic banking, what if the bank crashes? You don't have any cash, okay? And you don't have the ability to access your money. That's a problem. Number two, uh, what if your stuff gets hacked? Now, I believe there's RFID readers please, my more tech-savvy readers, correct me if I'm wrong, or listeners, can correct me if I'm wrong, but at some point, the technology is going to get developed where you can put a chip in your hand, and when you shake someone else's hand, I'm sure that chip will be able to interact and read the chip in the other person's hand, therefore stealing their information from a simple handshake. 
totally making this up off the top of my head, but based on what I've studied, based on what I've seen, and I'm not a tech guy, I think that is something we may have to consider if we start moving in that direction. Now, you've got Elon Musk, as I've talked about time and time again, creating the the human brain computer connection to the internet of things. It's going to tie into these chips, I'm sure, that are going to be implanted all throughout our body. I mean, the risks are just countless. They can be tracking devices. They can carry our medical information. They can change our medical information. Um, who knows? Are these chips going to have an, be able to alter our DNA, to alter our bodies in some type of way with the way they're talking about nanotech and these this in- injectable nanotech that's going to heal and repair our bodies? It's going to change our bodies. We're looking at the change in hum- in humanity. And actually, Stephen Hawking is calling it the end of humanity. He's saying this will be an entirely new life form. I'm looking at, this is the mirror.co.uk. Um, and Stephen Hawking says, this will be a new form of life. Artificial intelligence robots will replace humans completely. And here we go with another, po- you know, like I set up my show beforehand just so I can read the articles as I get to them. And then when it's time to get to them, all these pop-ups have stopped up in the interim and I can't find the article I'm looking for. So I'm probably boring you right now. So skip the survey. It's ridiculous. I, may I never do this on my website at Sixth Sense Media. It's frustrating. You know, I thought I was good to go. I'm sorry. All right. So renowned physicist Professor Stephen Hawking has said robots will eventually replace humanity completely. Professor Hawking said that he believes artificial intelligence will eventually reach a level where it will essentially be a new form of life that will outperform humans, the Cambridge News reports. Now, last week I covered a story where they're calling for, they're anticipating within 30 years, 30 years, Artificial intelligence will have an IQ of about 10,000. The high IQ on the human side ranges like 120, 130. Okay, so 10,000, that's a whole lot smarter than us. He said, I fear the AI may replace humans altogether. If people design computer viruses, someone will design AI that improves and replicates itself. This will be a new form of life that outperforms humans. The professor is also urging young people to be more interested in space and science in general caveat i'm going to come back to that because i'm talking about space on this episode all right but he's making a push towards space god i'm looking at pictures of the back of sophia's head that ai robot and it's creepy it looks like a human with leathery skin and wires running into a brain that's exposed in the back of the head it's so creepy 75-year-old has talked to Wired Magazine about his belief that we need a new space age to entice young people to get involved in science and said there would be, quote, serious consequences if more people didn't show an interest. He added that he thinks a new space program should be worked on urgently by the science community with a view of everything colonizing sustainable planets for human habitation. He continued, I believe we have reached a point of no return. Our Earth is becoming too small for us. Global population is increasing at an alarming rate, and we are in danger of self-destructing. Now, I want to pause and give a caveat there. I know Prince Harry, was Prince, no, Prince William, I'm sorry, whichever one's married, I think it was Prince William, said uh, the other day, I just read the headline, that you know he believes the population of the Earth is too large. You know, Well, it's nice for you to be able to say that from your nice fancy castle there, buddy. Here's, here's my thoughts, though. We have enough food. We produce enough food to feed the entire world as it is right now. 
we are mismanaging that. We are top heavy. That's the problem. It's not that we're overpopulated. It's that we're top heavy and we're misusing our resources. If we could properly use our resources coupled with our natural abilities, i.e. psychic talents, we could feed the world and we could expand our reach to other planets if we can break out of what may be the prison planet, as the Alex Jones Network calls it. All right, so let, let's move past that. I want to talk now. Uh, I have a couple more articles. Let me see. Do I want to get to them yet? No, because they're relevant to what I'm covering here. All right. Let me jump into the main topic of this show. Last week, by the way, uh, I did a remote viewing experiment. It was awesome. I had so much fun doing it. And to those that participated, thank you so much. I'm going to do, I wish I would have plugged this at the beginning of the show. I'm going to do another one at the end of this show. So you can still listen to this show, and if you're not ready to do it, when I get to the end of the show, I'll give you fair warning. You can pause the show, and then when you get home or wherever you are, you can make the time to do participate in the experiment. And I'll talk more about how uh, more to come with this. I'm actually in the process of designing uh, a remote viewing training group, and my, I'm just as novice at this as everyone else out there. I'm just, although I've studied remote viewing for a while, I haven't practiced it yet. Um, so I, I want to just replicate the experiment from last week, obviously with a different target. Uh, I'll get into that towards the end of the show. I'll talk to you about that. So at the end of this episode, uh, I'm going to go over the results from last week's show. I'll give you a fair warning in case you want to go back and do the experiment. So you'll be able to stop the podcast then, but you won't miss any of this show, this week's show. So you're good to go, but I will go over that closer to the end of the show where we can uh, talk remote viewing and practice a new experiment and review the results from last week's show. It should take only a couple of minutes. All right, so tying into the remote viewing. Remote viewing is the ability to perceive things across space and time uh, using your psychic or intuitive abilities. Now, I hesitate when I make titles to my shows and I tag things and I post things to use the term psychic because when I feel that when I say psychic, people roll their eyes. Now, in my head, I picture... You know, I, I have friends on Facebook from all different walks of life. I have friends out there, and I always picture ultra conservative, not in the political sense, just people who don't buy into this stuff. That's who I always picture seeing that. And I, and some, I don't know how a lot of my friends feel about this stuff. And I made a, a decision uh, a few years after my father died because of what I experienced. I made a decision that I'm going to talk about this. I don't care if you roll your eyes at me anymore. I don't care. And nobody ever has. Not to my face anyway. But in my head, I'm always afraid. Like, I'm going to say psychic and it's going to turn people off when I'm really trying to, to help people understand that there is something real here and we can use it. But I'm afraid that when I say psychic, I'm afraid that scares people away because you get labeled as weird or fringe or do you believe in that stuff? But psychic ability is not a matter of belief. And I, I covered it a little bit last week. There's strong, there is now strong research out there that shows that it's real. And I encourage you to start, you know, looking at some of the sources that I've given you in previous shows and start doing your own research and looking at some of the peer-reviewed stuff and some of the scientific journals that talk about, they call psi research, and you'll find out that this is a real phenomenon. How? Let me ask you a question. How many of you out there have ever sat there and said, you know, I, I really, I miss my friend so-and-so, my friend John. I haven't heard from him in a while. And within 24 hours, 
He calls you, you bump into him, and you haven't seen him in years. How many of you have had an experience like that? Or, I'm going to go call my sister, and then the phone rings, and it's your sister. Or the phone rings back before you had caller ID, and you say, oh, that sounds like mom's ring. And you answer it, and it's your mom. How do you explain that? Well, a lot of times we chalk it up as coincidence. But what if it's more than just a random coincidence? We are having a conversation that we're on some levels unaware of. It's at the subconscious level right now. But that's how what psychic information is. And it's so subtle. We see on TV and on Hollywood, which is part of the problem, somebody goes into a trance, they grab their head and go, oh, I'm getting something. Oh, it's your mother. Oh, And that is a method for some people who access deeper levels of it. However, on face value, we all have examples of this every single day. We get that data constantly. Sometimes it makes it to the forefront conscious part of our brain and we vocalize what we've experienced even if it's in a questioning format, and then it comes true. But we are conditioned to chalk that up as just mere coincidence. Now, what I want to suggest throughout this show is that conditioning is by design because someone or something, going down the rabbit hole here, something benefits from your lack of knowledge about your own intuitive strength because we are all capable of this. And again, to my regular listeners, this isn't anything that should make you uncomfortable. In my head, I'm picturing, hopefully drawing in people who this is out of your comfort zone. We all do this. We all have this ability. There's nothing weird about it. There's nothing evil about it. This is a part of who we are. People sometimes refer to mother's intuition. She knows what her kids need. She knows what her kids want. You ever have a friend, you can kind of read their thoughts, not literally, but you kind of understand what they want, what they need, because you're connected on an intuitive level. I've shared the research on heart math. I've done several shows on the heart math stuff, talking about empathy and the ability to read that. But there's a consorted effort to repress this, to embarrass anybody who comes out and says, hey, I think there's something to this. I think I'm psychic. I had a psychic experience no, you're not. You're weirdo. That's impossible. No, that is possible. And and I'm taking a stand, and I hope that those of you out there who've experienced this start to vocalize it as well and take that similar stand to make it comfortable. Because what I did, once I decided that I'm going to explore this because I keep having these events, I was able to then better practice and refine it. Now, I'm no expert. I'm no Edgar Casey. I'm no Ingo Swan. I'm an average guy who's tapped into his intuition. But what you're going to find is that you learn to differentiate between, to better differentiate, it's not perfect, to better differentiate though between what's your imagination and what is your true intuitive psychic transmission that you're receiving. It's not easy to do at first, but you start to learn the difference when you start calling it out. Hey, I perceive this. Hey, Ma, I had this dream about you. you Anything to that. And you start to based on the way it feels coming in, you start to understand, okay, so when I have that dream, that did there, that's what my imagination feels like. This is what the psychic data feels like. It comes from this part of, you know, I feel the sensations in these parts of my body, whatever. You'll understand as you begin to practice it. Okay. I'm getting long-winded here. I'm sorry. I wish somebody could just, I wish there was a shut up button. Something like, Dennis, you're getting long-winded. Just shut your mouth. So Ingo Swan's book, <clears throat> It's called Penetration, the Question of Extraterrestrial and Human Telepathy. I highly recommend that you 
go get. The, I, I listened to the audio book. It was fantastic. It was like a six hour listen. Uh, I got through it over like two or three days. He talks a little bit about you know how he was involved in remote viewing experiments. And and again, side note, I gave this out last week. I'm going to make this connection again this week. The people credited with founding the remote viewing program, to name a few, Ingo Swan, Russell Targ, who I covered extensively last week, and Hal Putoff. Hal Putoff is now linked with Tom DeLonge, who's running the To The Stars Academy. That's why I'm on the fence with the To The Stars Academy. I'll get into it in a little bit, but that may give DeLonge's organization more credibility. These are credible guys he has working with him. I don't know how I feel about DeLonge yet and some of the stuff that he's got going on. I've talked about it in there's a, a six-podcast playlist that I have uh, on my all my pages here. So you can uh, listen to everything that I've done, the breakdowns from WikiLeaks all the way up through to his big announcement. But Hal Putoff is tied into that. Hal Putoff is a credible guy. Hal Putoff is one of the fathers of the remote viewing program for the United States. And he's working with DeLonge. So that, to me, says something. But Ingo Swan's book, he, he has this, he's a great storyteller. He tells this story about how, you know, a lot of times he worked on classified projects. You know, the, the SRI group, um, you know, they spent half their time working for the CIA, looking at classified targets. He said at one point he he had this whole intelligence, I mean, it was, it was an intel op. You know, he was contacted covertly with code names and all this, these different locations he had to meet at. And he ended up linking up with a, a secret organization. He has no idea who this organization was. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the book for you. But he links up with this organization, and it's really cool the way he describes how they contacted him and where he ended up, uh, and the whole dialogue that he had. So I'm not going to kill the thun- steal the thunder from his book. I, I want you to read it. But ultimately, what they had him do is they had him remote view. They wanted to know if he could re- remotely view a target on the moon. So Ingo closed his eyes and he went through his own process and he at first said they're never going to believe me with what I'm seeing on the moon I'm seeing what looks like lights on the moon I must be getting the target wrong so he stopped the session he goes back and he looks again and uh, nope he's still seeing lights at the target that he's at lesson learned no matter how weird you think it is just report the data that you're getting keep that in mind when you do today's experiment if you're going to participate but what he ended up finding was that there was a civiliz- civilization on the moon. Now, that sounds crazy, right? But what I love about Ingo's book is he gives the psych. This is this is the philosophy from my standpoint. This is why I wanted to start Six Sense Media because Ingo got an intuitive psychic uh, data dump. He he gained information through his psychic processes. And then what he did is he went back and did research to try to support or disprove that data. So he's not just saying psychically, I think there's a colony on the moon. He then went back and and looked at things like NASA photos, testimony, and another detailed analysis that we're all capable of doing that's not grounded in psychic data to support or Uh, break down his claim. And that's how we need to start thinking about this because through using our sixth sense, we can gather information. That information is just a piece of a greater story, but it can give us 
maybe the missing piece, or maybe the direction that we can't find to dig further. That's, as, as of right now, is how I see we can use it. Now, maybe we'll get to the point where we can use that data and we can say that's 100% the true story. I don't think that we're there. I know we're not there right now because we're not even using this at all, uh, the majority of us anyway. But this is a powerful tool. Right now, I, I talked about a couple scenarios today. We talked about North Korea dropping a, an EMP over the United States to kill 90% of the population. And I talked about Antifa and the protests that were planned for today. Now, you have a team of remote viewers in every single, single county, every single state, every single municipality. And they focus their attention on these things each week. They evaluate what's the threat this week. What are we looking at each week? They design their targets that way. Now you've got some real good predictive technology or predictive biology, predictive psychology. I don't even know what to call it. And now you start looking at other data, other indicators. So you say, okay, remote viewers are saying that there's going to be some kind of attack at this location. That's why if you have viewers in every county and every township, you're going to know the locations better than anybody else and your target area is smaller. I know this sounds like a crazy goal, right? But you have these viewers that are out there that are looking at stuff each week. They can say, okay, we look like we're going to get hit in this area. Law enforcement now, what data do you have that supports what we're seeing? It's pre-crime, right? Just like the movie Minority Report. And I guess that's where we need to start being careful when we start arresting people and things of that nature. But let's focus on the benefits if we design this appropriately on how this can be used to really help our society. All right, do we see any blackouts in the next week? Do we, you know, What are the causes of those blackouts? Okay, do we have data that supports that? Well, we'd have some transformers that are bad. That's all it is. Nope, North Korea is amping up their stuff. We may be looking at an EMP attack. Let's take some countermeasures. There's different things we can do. We can use this for. All right. All right, caveat over. Ingo was so moved by what he experienced. And as I'm, as I'm listening to him... You know, as I'm listening to this this audiobook, so many other abstract theories that I've listened to over the years and conspiracy theories, and, and again, this is the deep stuff where people say you're way off the deep end, start rushing through my head to include the David Wilcock and the Corey Good stuff. And, and this is going to blow my mind because I was frustrated with David Wilcock because he made all these promises about a Antarctica civilization being exposed, and obviously that hasn't happened yet. Some of the other things David Wilcox said was that, one, there's uh, a, a, there's life on the moon. Or him or Corey Good, I can't remember now. It's been a while. They said there's a, a colony on the moon. They said there was a civilization on Antarctica, a lost civilization that, that has you know since been frozen over. And they said that the elites have control of this, and the elites are heavily involved in satanic ritual and pedophilia. And he said the pedophilia rings are going to start coming down. Now, what's been happening in Hollywood over the past month? We started out with these sexual allegations, you know, these sexual assaults. But you're also starting to hear uh, Corey Feldman's making a big push now to expose the pedophilia rings. And there's been more and more busts that have been happening. So, is Corey good and... And David Wilcock, is there something to what they're saying here? Are they releasing good information? Because ultimately what they're talking about is the existence of, of extraterrestrial life and its influence on our planet. Some of the other things they said are coming true. You have Tom DeLonge and the To The Stars Academy with some big player former government employees who are saying UFOs are real. They haven't used the term alien. They're saying they're real. You have... 
Stephen Greer, who has his documentary on Netflix, Unacknowledged, that says UFOs are real. They're not ours. And he has a lot of good witness interview. That's the line that's being pushed right now. UFOs are real. I know that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. I want to come back to my request from the beginning of this show. For a minute, just suspend your own beliefs and just ask the question, what if? What if it's true? And let's explore that open-mindedly for a minute. If it's true. What does that mean? What evidence would we need to see? And I recommend you go look at all those sources that I gave you to review. Okay? I still think there's more than just what's being told. I think the Ancient Astronauts show, great show. I'm sorry, Ancient Alien show was a great show. But I think that show was designed, who David Wilcox tied into that show, by the way. I think that show was designed to soften us up for this information. One of the things that really got me with back to... um, Ingo's, Ingo's book, he talked about what he called analytical overlay. And he said, when a viewer views something that they're not familiar with, so if you have an average person and they start remote viewing and they start seeing an atomic bomb mechanism, they're not going to know an atomic bomb because they've never seen one before. So their mind will give them a picture of something else. And they may describe what he said would be like a teapot instead of seeing the atomic bomb. Because the teapot gets hot, steam comes out. I guess that's, you know, he was just giving an example. And I suspect that's what happens with us. Now, my brother was, Mike, hit me up again. Give me the specifics of this. He told me a story, and I'm going on hearsay right now, so please forgive me, but it fits to serve my example. He said that there was a story that came out that when the Native Americans saw, uh, I guess, the first explorers and settlers coming to the New World, the quote, New World, They didn't see the ships. They just saw the people appearing because they had never seen boats so big and massive before coming across the ocean. Their minds couldn't process it, so it just blocked it out. So it looked like people just kind of appearing out of the water coming onto land. Have you ever encountered something that's so new you get dizzy? Some people pass out. It's something so surreal it traumatizes you. You can't remember it. You have blackouts from it. Sometimes things happen and our mind blocks it out because we can't process it because we've never seen it before. We've never experienced it before. Is it possible Is it possible that the reason we're seeing All of this attention, all of this discussion, all of these Hollywood movies about this stuff is to prepare our minds to give it a frame of reference for something we may see in the future. So we don't have that total shell shock. So we can say, okay, this reminds me of that movie. I've seen that before. I can process it. I'm not going to have some kind of psychotic break. Is it possible that is what's happening? So, or what has been happening, a conditioning of our minds. Now, before you stop and sit there and say, Dennis, you're nuts, again, I'm, I'm taking this from Ingo's book, go back and do your research on subliminal advertising, on the ways that the public's mind has been conditioned to do things like buy soda or buy clothing. I mean, it started out to buy soda and popcorn. They, they were sub- submitting 
words into uh, movies. I forget who the guy was. And he saw a 59% increase in sales in the six weeks that he did this experiment. Subliminal advertising is real. Go back and listen to my show on mind control technology. There are U.S. patents for technology that can be embedded in any simple TV or computer program that will influence your mood and behavior. So it's not that far of a jump to think that people in charge mess with your mind. That's why it's important to understand your own mind, your own thought processes, what's in there, so you can recognize when something else is being inserted or when something else is trying to influence you. You got a question. Where did that thought come from? Where did that feeling come from? Why am I having that desire to go eat or to go look at something right now? That's the mindset you need to start getting into is to question your own thoughts, not to the point of insanity, but that's at least that's how I've been processing things. And then one day you step back and you go, oh my gosh, I can see the manipulation. It's there. Why can't anybody else see it? So it's very frustrating. So start paying attention to your own thoughts. So we've got Ingo Swan. He encounters some kind of secret organization. There's knowledge of a colony on the moon. Uh, this colony, he got the impression, didn't want us to know that they were there. And, and Swan spent a lot of time saying, look, there's so many anomalies that are on the, this, written, this book was out in 1998, so many anomalies that are on the internet. Now we're talking 10 years ago, and the internet has grown dramatically since then. And the problem is there's so much fake crap out there now. But there's a lot of stuff out there, some of it crap that has these anomalies. You have to wonder what's up there on the moon. Now he recommended just get a basic telescope and he says, you know, get a, a strong enough telescope that you can easily buy and look, start looking at the moon and you may see them for yourself. He says, but society, and this is a line from the matrix, people are so ingrained, so independent on this system that when somebody challenges that system, they will defend it with their lives because they can't handle that system crashing down. That's what cognitive dissonance is. My beliefs are so wrapped up in there not being aliens on the moon that if there were aliens on the moon, my world would come tumbling down. Maybe that's why certain organizations are putting this out there in works of fiction to help prepare people. Maybe there's more of a sinister agenda behind that I don't know. But we need to start to process that possibility and I think we can use remote viewing to do that. Again, maybe I'm giving you a dangerous assignment. Maybe this is like the world's most guarded secret in the world. I don't know. So use caution. But he talked about this consorted effort to cover this information up. He said the space race was great. We were going to the moon. We're landing on the moon, having all sorts of cool things happening. And all of a sudden we stopped. He said there were still three missions to go. And we stopped going to the moon. He said the plan was to colonize the moon. And all of a sudden we stopped. Why? Why did we stop going to the moon? Now, I found some articles. I'll share them in the show notes. One talked about a plan in the 50s to drop an atomic bomb on the moon. And they said the idea behind it was to scare the Russians, that they'd be able to look up at the sky and see a mushroom cloud coming off of the moon. And they would understand that the United States was powerful. Really, dude? Why don't you take a video of you dropping an atomic bomb somewhere in the desert and send them the video? Like, why do you got to go to the moon? Oh, you got to be kidding me. Uh, this is the second time this happened. Every time I start getting into this stuff, 
I swear I'm being sabotaged right now. I've had to stop this show four times whenever I start getting on topics like this because the websites that I have that are up there sitting silent all of a sudden start playing random audio in my ear. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe this is just me being nuts, but you have to wonder when the technology starts going a little wonky on you, is there something more to it? Is AI listening and taking over, not wanting me to deal with this? You know, I say that tongue in cheek, but I, I do think there's a connection between AI, human evolution, human consciousness, and the ET connection. I think history is repeating itself, in all honesty, and I've done that on other shows. You can go back and look at that. But the U.S. had a plan to drop a nuclear bomb on the 50s, uh, back in the 50s. I I'll have that article, and hopefully you can watch it without so many commercials playing. Okay, uh, next point I wanted to get to... Um, and that was the one I had to close. It was the article I needed that I had to close out right there. We did drop a nuclear bomb. This was, I forget the year now. I have the article in the show notes that has the year and everything. But it was on the dark side of the moon. And the claim that was that NASA is going to drop this atomic bomb out there on the moon because they want to see, um, <clears throat> let me let me word this correctly. They wanted to see water, if there was water on the moon. They wanted to see the water vapor in the clouds. So the best way you can think about that is to shoot a nuclear bomb at the moon. I'm not a scientist. Get me somebody who's more scientific to explain it to me a little bit better, and I, I won't roll my eyes so much at that cover story. Um, so we did this. We shot a nuclear bomb onto the dark side of the moon. I honestly don't know why that was done. That's a little strange to me. Now, there was another thing done. I forget which year that it was. Um, some seismic device, some bomb was dropped on the moon, I think, during the time of the space race. They had all sorts of seismic activity out there. And when that bomb was dropped, and David Icke talks about this as well, and you can Google it. Um, but when that device went off on the moon, they say the moon rung like a bell for several hours. What that might indicate is that the moon is hollow. Dennis, you sound nuts. That's not what we're taught in school. I know. Suspend that belief for a minute and just listen to what I might be saying. The moon is hollow and it rung like a bell. How do you explain that? That's documented. That's mainstream. That happened. A solid object shouldn't behave that way. The moon has so many different anomalies on there that don't fit what it should as far as um, what we're told about the moon. And then we just kind of ignore them and say, well, we just don't understand that yet. Start looking into anomalies on the moon. I'll try to find some other direct resources about those anomalies. But not only that, isn't it kind of weird that the moon always spins at just a rate that we're always facing the same exact side? Does that sound like the Truman Show to you? What a great observation post to be up there in the moon, always facing us the same way. You can hide your activities on the backside so nobody ever sees it. Okay. This is where my my interest in the flat earth stuff comes into play. I don't think the earth is flat, but I think there's something else going on with this planet than we realize. And I think flat earth people use some of that data to suggest the earth is flat. I don't think the earth is flat, but I think they have good intel processed poorly. That's my opinion. No offense to my flat earth friends out there. I don't mean as an, as an insult to you. I do mean it as a criticism to uh, go back and keep keep digging. Let's say the moon is hollow. Um, you know, why else would it would it ring like a bell? And David Icke talks about that. Now, what David Icke gets into, he says there's a Saturn-Moon matrix connection. And what David Icke talks about is that Saturn is putting out a signal. Now, if you can go on Google or go on YouTube, you can listen to the sounds of the planets. There is audible sounds coming out of every planet in our solar system. 
Saturn has a signal coming out, and that's one of the signals coming out of Saturn causes that perfect hexagram shape to appear on Saturn. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, if, if you start looking at the, the geometry that appears on Saturn. We know that sound can create sacred geometry. There's plenty of videos on the internet that you can see. You can do your own experiments with that, with sand on a sound speaker, and it will take shape. What impact does sound and frequency have on us? What is its impact on us? Is there a technology that's coming from the moon, from Saturn, from somewhere, from Earth, that is hindering our own psychic connection besides the psychological stuff that's being done to keep us repressed are there signals out there as well and again there's some good information out there that says that there are my discussion about the electromagnetic field that comes out of the human heart that interacts with our own brain that interacts with the hearts of other people that transmits emotional information that's proven already what this is the the basis of my thesis what other signals are out there and interfering with our own signal? People talk about Wi-Fi every day and how Wi-Fi may be causing a detriment to our own, it causing interference. Okay, so what else is out there? Could it be repressing us? Now, this is the plot from the movie They Live. Now, I'm not going to steal Ingo's thunder, but there's talk of possible aliens here on Earth. And again, Dennis, you sound nuts. Again, what if? I have an article in front of me. Now, consider the source, but it's from, uh, nope, I'm sorry, this one's from Daily Mail. This is, um, would you recognize an alien? Scientists suggest that extraterrestrials may be shaped by natural selection and could, quote, look like us. So, I'll have that article. You can dissect that. You can run it to ground and see is there something to it, is there not? But there is a possibility. I mean, why not? We look like this. If, if you know, who's to say that there aren't other extraterrestrial beings out there that look like us that can come down here and easily blend in with our society? Now, would it make sense? Let me pause for a minute. Let me look at my notes here. Because there's a lot that I want, wanted to get into. I think I've covered a lot of what I want to talk about. But ultimately, let's say this group, let's say there is a group that exists on the moon and they exist here on Earth. And they don't want us to know that they're up there. So they're doing all sorts of things. They, they create uh, our, our language and they create our societal norms and they create our governments in ways that will ridicule, target, and repress and suppress people with psychic abilities because people with psychic abilities may be able to identify them and to locate them and to blow the cover of this story wide open and to say, hey, there is something else going on, and it does not serve the best interests of Earth-based humanity. That's a real possibility. You think that's crazy? I said earlier, history repeats itself. You have a government in power. That government says they're pissed off at another country. And what do they do? They don't fight it out with the leader they're pissed off at. They send us to go fight the wars and die and suffer while they profit from it. Now, sometimes countries lose and fall, but that may be part of the bigger plan. We're constantly in war, and it's constantly the same playbook, the same rhetoric, but at the end of the day, I don't want to go to war. Most of you out there don't want to be involved in war. Why do we have to keep ending up there? If we, Why don't we start investing all these billions of dollars in peace, and instead, maybe some kind of defensive system? Instead of going out and Picking fights with everybody. 
and again, we historians, we can go back and forth about other people being repressed and genocide. And, but again, those doing the oppression, why? Why are they torturing people? Why are they killing people? Why are they keeping people in such a state of suffering and misery? And that's what started this. That question is what started this whole thing for me. The books, the podcasts, the insanity that you see today. Why do we suffer? Because when I was a kid, I was told God loves you and you're going to go to heaven and everything's going to be okay. And that worked for a while for me. But then my father suffered terribly when he died. And I said, enough. This design doesn't make sense. My book, my free ebook, I am human and we're not who we think we are. That was my first major step in exploring that question. Why do we suffer? And we have to ex- accept the possibility that this suffering is by design. Because we look at the world and say, there's so many things that don't make sense. I want something better. I don't want to have to do the nine to five grind every day to pay for a house I'm never in. I'm a, a, a slave debt to the mortgage company. Now I have to go to work for the next 30 years. Come on now. The society we have doesn't function the way designed to maximize our own happiness. Why? Is there some force, power, intelligence, consciousness behind it that's possibly manipulating that? Again, suspend your own beliefs right now and say, what if? Now, one of the things I suspect, we're talking about energy. We know the human body gives off energy. Depending on what emotion you're feeling, you have different frequencies that come out. What if? What if the desired output, and this is backed up with research in my other shows, is our, the energy we put out when we're suffering? What if that's the desired output? And you have these, now you have these TV programs, you have these social media platforms that keep us in that state of anxiety, in that state of fear, of suffering, of hardship, of sadness. They keep us in these states or they keep bringing us back to these states because we continually contribute to that electromagnetic soup of energy that's out there. And who's benefiting from it? Maybe the people hiding in the moon. How crazy does that sound? I know it sounds nuts. Maybe the people hiding in, in hollow earth, if that exists. Maybe the people that are embedded among us. I, I, I don't know. What I do know is that the standard explanation for life on this planet doesn't make sense. So the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. What I'm, expect, what I'm suggesting is let's do something totally different, wild, and crazy and get different results. Let's explore our psychic, natural psychic abilities that there's ample evidence that have been repressed by someone or something and see what we can learn. See what we can learn about this society. See what we can learn about ourselves. See what we can learn about what might be out there and level the playing field. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm nuts. But personally, in my life, I've, I've experienced too much. I've verified too much of this stuff to know that it's not real, that there's not something to it. And I invite you to join me and see what we can learn about this. Because from my standpoint, I think that, I think that this planet is treated like a, like a farm, like a zoo. And we're viewed as cattle. And we're continually played with and manipulated. 
And I think we need to change our current situation. And that current situation is not going to be through the traditional model of grabbing our weapons, going out and fighting and kicking some ass. As much as that may be what we want to do, I don't think that's going to get us where we need to be. I think we need to start looking within in order to understand what's without, what's around us. The last thing I want to say with that is, you know, David Icke talks about problem, reaction, solution. You have a lot of companies that talk about, be afraid, buy my product. The AI thing, I do think that the AI threat is real. I do think that the AI represents our own evolution thousands of years ago. I think we were either designed or augmented technology at some point. I think biology and technology are eventually going to be one in the same again. And once you get self-replicating technology, is that not just another form of biology? You know, um, maybe. Where am I going with this? One of the suggestions is to merge us with tech. Now, maybe there really is this awakening going on and we're connecting with stuff. Maybe the signals that they're using are getting harder and harder for them to use to oppress and repress us. So what are they suggesting now? We've got the Internet of Things. Everything is connected. Everybody's watching us. Everybody sees what we're doing right now. There's all these crazy signals that are going on, coming out of your cell phones, coming out of your TVs, coming out of your radios, coming out of your vehicles, your refrigerator, your, your hot water heater. Everything has this stuff going around. Is it creating some kind of net, some kind of web that blocks our natural signal, our natural connection to penetrate and see what is beyond, what is beyond the blackness behind our eyelids? And now what they're suggesting is that they're going to start putting microchips inside your bodies. What kind of signal is that microchip going to send out to the rest of your body to further block your ability to connect? And then they're going to create a virtual reality. They're going to... Again, I've done other shows on this. We're going to put the nanotech in your brain and allow you to connect to a cloud, to connect to a server, to connect to another universe, which may look incredible. But what that is doing is thickening the walls of your own prison. As awesome as it may sound, you're being further shackled, further repressed. Why? Because you're another layer deep. Reality gets even blurrier now when a computer is directly linked to your mind. They're talking about virtual reality. They're talking about augmented reality. At what point are you going to say, I don't know what's real and what's not anymore? Why? Well, that's what I said two weeks ago. I did a show and I don't know what's real and what's not anymore. And I'm not even plugged in on that level. By merging with tech, you're giving up your ability to connect with what's really out there. You're putting yourself a deeper level down into this prison. Use caution, my friends. Please, use caution. I'm not trying to be a doom and gloom guy. Once again, I feel like I was all over the place with this show. I made so many connections I was as I was listening to this. I, I don't want to steal all of Ingo's thunder. I want you to read his book. I'll have the links in the show notes at servicechange.com and in the secret newsletter that comes out Sunday morning. Because I think there's something here. Maybe I'm crazy. All right. Let's change the way we think about things. Let's change the way we go about things and change this world, my friends. We have the power to do it. Uh, for those of you now that are interested in the remote viewing experiment, this show is going really long here. My apologies. But the remote viewing experiment, if you have not done last week's experiment and wish to participate, please pause the podcast now. Go back and listen to last week's show, and you can partake. I am now going to start reading the results from last week's show. 
Now, last week we know the target was a small, about two, three inch tall Cookie Monster doll. Um, what I'm going to set up through the Sixth Sense Media platform for those of you that want to participate in this is an, a better feedback system than me just describing the object to you. I'm going to have a way for you to go on after you do the experiment, check in, and see a picture of it. So that's my goal. I don't have that yet. Stick with it. I promise that's what I want to have coming so we can practice and continue to see if we're right. I got all sorts of awesome ideas, fun ideas of how we can do this. So let's get to it. Uh, I, I had four of you participate, and I am forever thankful that you took the time to try it out. Uh, let's see here. I'm not going to use names right now. Um, if you're interested in, in sharing names at some point in the future, we can discuss that. But the first one came to me and said, first thought in my mind is the color yellow. I see yellow and I see the word basketball, rough like the seams of a basketball. I'm sorry, rough like the seams of a baseball, not a basketball, baseball. About the size of a baseball. Keep getting the word baseball. Setting label aside, white and red like a baseball. And uh, that's all this listener got at that point in time. I think that was a very good preliminary description there. Um, yellow, the bowl that Cookie Monster was holding was yellow. Um, a very bright yellow. Rough like the seams of a baseball. Very similar, that's how you can describe the fur. The plastic hardened fur felt like the rough seams of a baseball. Um, the color white, well, he was wearing a chef's hat. He was wearing um, the white apron, so that was there. Now, the baseball itself... Maybe that little ball that he was seeing, the mixing, the mixture that he was holding was a silver stick with like a silver ball on top of it. Uh, I had somebody else cue on something that sounds similar to that. I'll get to that. So I, I would consider that some, some successful preliminary data. Now, if this was a, a full remote viewing session, there's other steps you go through to get more of a detailed description. Overall, I would consider that uh, some very good data for a first run. All right, the next one I got here. Um, in my viewing, I saw something having points. Some kind of shape like a star, but not a star. That's the mixer that Cookie Monster was holding. Looks exactly like a silver star. It's even got the spokes on it. It's really cool. I got to get a picture up to you guys. Uh, I felt the color yellow, and within it, some rusty brown. The bowl was yellow, and inside was brown cookies. Uh, I had a good feeling, a warm feeling, like having affliction toward the object. When I spoke with this person later, they felt that that warm feeling came with, well, Cookie Monster is a very caring, uh, you know, he, he's a lovable guy. Um, and, you know, and it's a children's toy and children, you know, have a love for their toy. So overall, uh, and this person said, I, I still have no idea what it might be. And that's fine. You're, you're better giving descriptors than you are telling me what you think it is. So again, this person was starting to perceive what that target was. Uh, I've got two more. I'm going to pull up my phone for this. Let's see here. All right. <clears throat> uh, I wrote the word square and Rubik's Cube with multicolors and weird pattern. So uh, there, there wasn't really a square, although underneath did have the octagon shape. There were multiple colors. And again, the fur, the way the fur was lined was a weird pattern. The fur was kind of all over the place. And there were multiple colors. So I think there was a hit there. Uh, the next one had square, big bird, 
child's toy, blue and bars. It says, in my mind, not bars. It was multiple bars, maybe the blades of a mixer. Um, so, uh, again, I think we have some hits here between our two listeners. Um, I didn't put the texture as I felt hard, but then felt soft, so put nothing for texture or weight. And then the blue I saw was light blue, not dark blue. I don't know. So, again, I think we've got some real good preliminary data. I mean, Big Bird is connected to Cookie Monster. Now, this viewer was saying, you know, I know this person. Um, they know I have children. You know, was that contaminated? Were they thinking, what could Dennis be grabbing in his office right now? That's a possibility, but I still think there's some significant hits in here. Um, again, it's preliminary. You know, I don't think any of us you know, who have never done this before are going to sit down and close our eyes and in a five-minute time span are going to sit there and say, oh, I see Cookie Monster. We're, we're, that's not how it works, especially in the beginning. A, a true remote viewing session takes, it takes some time. So if you did it and you didn't get the information you thought you were hoping for, please send it to me this week. Um, and, and let me give you some feedback. Again, I'm no expert. I'm new to this too. Uh, I don't want to claim to be something I'm not. Uh, but I am exploring this. But we need to change our expectation of what is right, what is good. Right now, if you get some descriptors that match what we're looking at, I think you're, uh, I think you're in the ballpark there. And I think we can expand upon that and um, and grow, go from there. I really want to build this group. So if you're interested, get in touch. Let me know. I'll start putting a list together, and I'll start putting this together so we can practice this each week. I don't know if it's going to be a part of the show each week or if I'll do a separate podcast or whatever. Uh, I'm still working that out right now. So... Let's move in to the next experiment for this week for my remote viewers out there, my truth seekers. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to walk us through it again. If, if you're not ready to do this, if you're driving, if you've got kids in the room, if you're not alone, you want to do it later, go ahead and pause the show. This is the, you know, after this, I'm going to end the show anyway. I'll have a few closing remarks, but I'm going to go ahead and end the show. So go ahead and pause the show and uh, come back to it later. So take a minute, pause the show, and I'm going to get us started. Now, for those of us participating, remember, you're going to cue in on not what is the object, but what textures do you see? What colors do you see? What sizes do you perceive? What feelings do you get from it? That's what you're going to be writing down. That's what you're going to be trying to focus on. Okay? And uh, let me change my that word. It You may not see it. You may feel it. You may hear it. You may somehow sense it. You may smell it. You may not just see a clear picture or a clear color, but however you get that data, write down your perceptions of what they are. What you're going to focus on at the end of this podcast, I'm sorry, at the end of this experiment, I'm going to describe an object to you. That's the moment you're focusing on. When I describe this object, that moment is where you want to put your consciousness to. Not what am I holding in my hand right now as I'm describing this. You want to focus on when I explain to you what this object is. That's the moment you're focusing on. So in your mind, fast forward to the next three minutes, in the three minutes from now or whenever that is, and you're hearing the description, that's where you want to get your data from. Okay? All right. So let's quiet our minds. 
If you want to close your eyes, close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and a deep cleansing breath out. Five seconds in through the nose, inhale. Exhale, five seconds out. Try to relax. If you have thoughts come through your mind, accept the thoughts and then dismiss them. Five seconds for slowly breathe in. Breathe out slowly. Slowly breathe in. And exhale slowly. As you exhale, let all the tension drain from your head, through your face, your shoulders, your chest, your back, all the way down through your body, through the bottoms of your feet into the floor. Breathe in slowly. Breathe out. Your body is totally relaxed. Sink deeper into the chair or into the bed if you're lying down. Breathe in. Last time, breathe out. No need to open your eyes if you don't want to. I want you to focus on that moment a few minutes from now when I tell you what the object is. With your pen and paper, write down what perceptions you're getting. What colors come to mind? What shapes do you feel? No matter how weird or how abstract it is, write it down. Your first impression. I don't care how crazy it sounds, put it down on paper. What textures are you getting? Are there any smells associated with it? Any sounds? Any tastes? Any other perceptions that you have about this object? Write them down. If you need more time to push through and pull more data... Pause the podcast now. Go ahead and pause the podcast if you need more time. Because I'm about to reveal what the item is. Okay. Uh, Lastly, if you feel the need to draw a sketch of this, if you think you can draw a sketch, by all means, draw a sketch if you feel that you've gotten something. Otherwise, again, pause it. Draw your sketch. I'm going to reveal the item. Here we go. The item I'm holding in my hand is, drum roll, a plastic golf ball. It's uh, it's from one of my children's toys. So it's not a real golf ball. It's plastic, but it's still hard. It's very hard. It's got the, uh, best way to show the orange peel. You know how golf balls have all the little divots in them? Um, so it's got the divots in them. On the very top, it's got a, a real deep divot. I guess that has to do with the manufacturing of it. And this golf ball does have a seam running through the equator of it, as if I just dropped it, um, as if it was two halves melted together. But it's just a standard 
white golf ball. Very simple. Um, you know, fits in the palm of your hand. And, uh, and that's it. So please email me, message me, however we're in communication. You know, my email address is D-E-N-N-I-S-N-A-P-P-I-I-I at gmail.com. Or you can just go to serviceofchange.com, click the contact tab, and I'll send you, you can send me a message that way as well. Um, or just reply to the secret newsletter this week. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Again, I'm going to continue to um, develop this group. I've got some great ideas, some changes I want to make, some modifications I want to make. But I wanted to replicate this experiment identical to the one last week so you had a chance to do the same process, the same method to see, you know, how that worked for you. So if you have ideas, suggestions, please send it my way. Even if you think you're wrong, send me the data, please. It helps me understand this better, and it helps you. It's good to get negative feedback, too, even if you're wrong. There's no shame in that because, then again, part of it is recognizing, okay, I can't trust that data. All right, my friends? So uh, please send me what you have. Let's keep this going. I'm going to go ahead and close out the show now. Again, uh, I hope I didn't go too far off the deep end for all of you out there. This is the stuff that's been going through my head. I hope I expressed it appropriately. I always doubt myself at the end of the show. <coughs> I have no voice left. Moving on. Uh, thank you so much for listening, my friends. Don't forget to check us out at facebook.com slash the six cents media. Twitter at six underscore cents underscore media. Serviceofchange.com. Sign up, sign up for the secret newsletter. And don't forget to get your free ebook from me. I am human and we are not who we think we are. Check out Ray Davis's book, uh, Anunnaki Awakening, and check out Ray Davis at the Affirmation Spot. More to come from Sixth Sense Media. I hope soon to have the website where you can find all of this in one location. One stop shopping is the goal. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been the Secret Podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep open mind. Thank you.